There's plenty of bad news out there. How about some good news? The book of Proverbs says that good news from a far country is like cold waters to a thirsty soul. I'm glad you're listening, because I do have good news. It's from a far country, so get out a tall glass. If you're counting, today is the 301st day of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That means today, the shortest day of the year, they've been fighting for 300 days, a senseless war motivated by pride and the greed for power. Now, I know there's a lot of political things involved there, but most wars are a result of greed for power or pride. But as you can tell by the theme music, your cup of good news today uh, will indeed come from Ukraine. And uh, again, if you're counting, this is the ninth episode which I have shared good news from Ukraine. In other words, there's a war going on, but what is God doing? What is the church doing? Because of the many people that I know and love in that part of the world, I'm watching events in Ukraine pretty much every day, certainly every week. And as a result, I have had a steady diet of carnage videos, destroyed homes, crying babushkas, basic war and destruction. But I'm also, throughout these past months, reading reports that are sent in every quarter by the gospel-supported national preachers in Ukraine. These reports are written by men constantly involved in humanitarian aid, refugee transport, and proclaiming the gospel. Now, I'll have to admit, the reports have not been on time, as they usually are, and uh, there's been some months that I haven't even heard from some of our preachers. But I am confident that just as persecution dispersed the early church in the book of Acts, these dear godly Ukrainian Christians are taking the message of Jesus and his salvation wherever they go. But the very fact that they're going has been a huge dilemma in the lives of many of the Ukrainian church leaders. Should they leave? Do they take their family to safety on the western side of the country? I mean, I talked to Vadim, our regional director in Zaporozhye, and he told me that missiles are shot at Zaporozhye every night. They know someone in the city will be killed. Vadim told me how he was once watching Russian planes and Ukrainian planes overhead in a dogfight, as if it was some kind of video game. But of course he added, it isn't a game. Vadim told me that he has a feeling that comes upon him that something is behind him, something is stalking him. That is probably the shadow of death. But on the other hand, now is the time when people need prayer and comfort and assistance and help. If the spiritual leaders flee, who will lead spiritually? I think every gospeling preacher struggles with this question. Do we go or do we stay? 
I mean, the Lord told his disciples to be bold and courageous. And yet, he also told them that when they saw the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, then they should flee into the mountains. To stay or to go? How do we know which to do? Nikolai Zhelovin pastors a church in Vasilyevka. Now, I met Nikolai back in 2003, almost 20 years ago. He was one of the first men supported through Gospel Inc., and he's been a faithful man. He doesn't have huge crusades, and he doesn't have a big praise band at his church that attracts large crowds. But Nikolai Zhelovin teaches the Word of God. He shares his heart of compassion to not only Vasilyevka, but to many other villages around him. When war broke out last February, many of the younger people decided to leave. Nikolai and his wife did not condemn their evacuation, but they also realized that at their age, they should stay and minister to their people. However, the Russian army got closer and closer. When June came this last year, I had not heard from Nikolai. Was he alive, I wondered? What was happening? Finally, I learned that Nikolai had not left, and now, in fact, probably could not. By the time I heard news from Nikolai, Vasilyevka village was under no country's control. Basically, it was between the tanks and artillery of two armies. Every day, shells and bombs burst back and forth above Nikolai's dacha. Slowly, the Russian army advanced. And finally, one day, there was no defense to stay them. And the first division of Russian troops rolled into Vasilyevka. Now, by this time, the massacres of Bucha and some of the other atrocities of the invaders were well publicized. But, the Russians found very few young people in Vasilyevka. What they did find was the House of Prayer. Not a large building, but open enough to set up an army barracks. Running water, facilities, and soldiers need housing. Nikolai lives just up the road from the House of Prayer. This building where he has taught God's Word for three decades. This building where his Christian brothers and sisters gather to pray weekly. It's within walking distance for Nikolai. So, as soon as the occupiers took up residence, Nikolai thought he would stroll down and welcome them. Now, Nikolai is an evangelical, Bible-believing, gospel preacher. And his first language is not Ukrainian. He's Russian. The Zaporozhye region is primarily Russian, though it is not run by fascists. Imagine being a Russian soldier or officer. You don't trust anyone, and this pastor comes knocking on his church door, which you've taken over. But Nikolai was friendly. The war was a horrible thing for sure, but Nikolai cares for people's souls, and these invaders have souls. He wanted to be open. He introduced himself. He explained who he was, how close by he lived. You know, the normal things that a pastor might say to an invading army that decides to live in his church building. Eventually, however, the civilities were not mutual. The Russians are told that there is only one true church, the Russian Orthodox Church. 
So Russian people who are not Orthodox are under suspicion. Such people may have Western sentiments, or they may be weak in their loyalty to Mother Russia. The officers in charge decided to detain Nikolai. They had some questions for him. Now, Nikolai is pretty good at answering questions. He knows the Bible well, and certainly the Bible answers life's difficult questions. Being detained wasn't the worst thing that could happen. But before nightfall, Nikolai was detained in a jail cell. But you move, Nikolai asked. Why? Why are you placing me under arrest? They simply told him that he was a person of interest. <laughs> a person of interest? Gosplank could have told them that. Nikolai Zhilovin has been a person of interest for us for years. But they weren't interested in Nikolai the same way that we are. So Nikolai found himself being taken from his local church building to the local jail. In the process, he continued to ask Pachimu, why? But this time he wasn't asking his arresters. He was asking his Lord, why? Gospodi, Pachimu, Lord, why do you have me here? What are you doing? What is your purpose in this for me? Now, I've never been in jail. Now, I've been in trouble, of course, but not in jail. And when I do get in trouble, I usually ask the Lord to bail me out. Help me out. Get me out. Spiritual maturity leads us to not always ask for deliverance, but to find purpose and meaning behind the trouble. I mean, don't we tend to ask for deliverance because we don't believe things are working out for good? If we love God and are called to his purposes, we should be asking to understand his purposes more than to get out of the problem. And so it was with Nikolai. He was guided to a cell, but it wasn't empty. There was a young man in the cell, only 18 years old. His name was Andre. After a little introduction, Nikolai knew that his question had been answered. He knew why. He was in jail. Nikolai didn't write details to us about Andre's life. He didn't tell me why Andre was also a person of interest that night. Knowing that part of Ukraine, I'm guessing that Andre knew Christians, but uh, probably grew up torn between materialism and a distant hope that being baptized in the Orthodox Church might be good enough to get to heaven. Andre might have gone to one of the Christian camps. He might have seen the Jesus film. Maybe not. But that night in jail, Andre met a man who lives without fear. A man who knows the truth. A man who has the hope of glory in Christ Jesus. A man who had decided to stay and not go when the war came. Nikolai didn't spew any anger toward the Russians. He didn't curse Vladimir Putin. He didn't plot revenge somehow. And Andre witnessed a supernatural spirit in Nikolai. Andre saw evidence of the Holy Spirit. And Nikolai, in turn, had a captive audience. Eventually, Nikolai explained the reason behind his gracious attitude and his hopeful heart and his positive attitude was that his hope was in the Lord Jesus. He explained that 
hope in Christ came through repentance. And in the Ukrainian culture, people come forward on a Sunday morning at the house of prayer to express their repentance. But Andrei came to repentance on his knees at night in a jail cell, grasping the hand of a national preacher. The Russians held the two people of interest for two days. Then they let them out. Andrei repeatedly told Pastor Nikolai, I'm the reason you've been in here. I'm the reason you've been in here. I'm really the reason they arrested you. Nikolai's wife was relieved to have him home, of course, and they rejoiced together as Nikolai recounted the good news of Andrei being born again. And then they asked the question, to stay or to go? They decided to go. They have a daughter that was about to turn 22 years old, and she is engaged to get married. Nikolai hated to leave Vasilevka, but the village was under a new regime for the time being, and that regime considered him a dubious person of interest. I am happy to say that Nikolai attended the wedding of his daughter and even sent his sponsor photos from that wedding. As of this podcast, Nikolai and his wife are with Christians in Norway. But you know... Nikolai just recently sent a photo that someone took of him standing in a pulpit in a church in Norway. He's teaching from the Bible, and a translator is beside him. You know, he probably never dreamed that the Lord would direct him to ministry in Scandinavia. But there's other refugees there, people from Ukraine, looking for the same hope and the same answers that he was able to give Andre back in Vasilyevka. No, he never thought he'd have ministry way up there in Norway, but he never thought he'd spend a night in jail either. God has some very unique ways of using his servants, even in the midst of chaos and war. Another Gospel Inc.-sponsored preacher that I met over 15 years ago is Leonid Ter. Leonid seemed old back then when I met him, but he has been an evangelist with fire for the Lord. Like Nikolai, Leonid is from a little Ukrainian village. That village is also in the Zaporozhye region. And like Nikolai, Leonid had to make a decision whether to stay or go. Again, like Nikolai, Leonid felt that the Lord would have him stay. At his age, he would be of no interest to the armies of either side. And Leonid has preached trust in the Lord and the biblical precept of fear not for years to the people around him. He would stay and demonstrate his faith. And so he did. But you know, there's a truth out there. It's not emotional. It's a plain, straightforward fact. And that truth is, we are all leaving eventually. There will be a time when every person ever born will leave this planet. Considering this reality will lead people to make wise decisions in regards to eternity. Leonid is in his 80s. The Russian army eventually overtook his village as well. As the pastor of the local house of prayer, the Russian officials were also suspicious of him. I mean, he's a leader, and he's not orthodox. They didn't put him in jail for a couple days, but 
they did place him on a kind of house arrest. Leonid and his wife were not allowed to leave their home. To stay or to go. Sometimes we don't have a choice to stay or go. Like I said, there will be a time when the Lord says it's time to go. I don't have the details, but it looks like Leonid was not able to get medicine for his heart condition. Or maybe it was just a natural heart failure, as that was a weakness in his body at his age. Maybe the Russian occupation had nothing to do with it, and Leonid might have been called home to be with his Lord under any circumstances. It's hard to say. I don't know. But I do know that going home to be with Jesus, that's not a bad thing. I'm pretty sure that's a celebration. I know it hurts those of us still here, and the family and loved ones miss those that go on before. But if we're talking about God's perspective, going to heaven isn't bad news. Yeah, Gospel Link lost a preacher. We lost a national preacher that, that we need in Ukraine at this time of the age. But Leonid's not complaining. In fact, going home to be with Jesus, it may be the best news possible. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever believeth on me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. <laughs> My friends, that's good news. Well, my friends, like I said at the beginning, this turns out to be the ninth episode that A Cup of Good News has poured concerning Ukraine. The plan was for this podcast to have a diversity and a variety of different countries and different preachers around the world sharing their testimonies. But with the events of the past 300 days in Ukraine, we have featured more than normal around that part of the world. Pray for our brethren. Uh, there are good things happening. One of the men told me there that more people have come to know the Lord as their personal Savior in the last six months than in the previous six years. Again, that's good news, despite it taking tragedy and war. Remember our brethren. Be grateful for what God's given you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs>